I will call to order the Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, May the 11th, 2020. Can everyone hear me? Or is that a no? <laughs> okay, excellent. Uh, that'll take us to the adoption of the agenda. Are there any additions? Uh, there are no additions. There are none. Any deletions? There are none, Your Worship. I will ask for a motion to adopt the agenda as presented. Uh, Mr. Ford, all in favor? Excellent. That takes us to the adoption of the minutes of the April 27th, 2020 regular council meeting. Any uh, additions, corrections, clarifications, et cetera, et cetera, required? Hearing none, I will uh, entertain a motion. Mr. Good, all in favor? I'm assuming your motion is to pass the minutes as presented. Any public hearings, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Uh, are there any presentations? There are none. And uh, that'll take us to bylaws. I understand there is bylaw 2072 which is an amendment to the land use by, by law eight, 1891 to enable secondary stage housing at 111 98th Street. That is correct. And I'm assuming Ms. Modi is going to lead the discussion on that. That is correct. Good evening. Good evening, Ms. Modi. So, um, as you said, Mr. Mayor, bylaw 2072 amends our land use bylaw to enable uh, secondary stage housing as an extension of the women's shelter, um, not a physical extension, a figurative extension um, of the women's shelter into our downtown area. Uh, the women's shelter has had a building donated to them and they'd like to convert it to four apartments and two offices where shelter staff would provide services to the women and their families who live in that space um, and also provide some security um, on site. Uh, this use does continue to fall within the emergency shelter definition of our land use bylaw, which necessitates some sort of amendment to our bylaw as the current zoning, the mixed commercial residential district does not enable an emergency shelter. Uh, so there are two ways of doing this. One would be to amend the uh, CR district to add an emergency shelter. And the other, the way that the bylaw is currently written, uh, spot redistricts the subject property to the community district so that we can consider the emergency shelter at this site only. Uh, you can see that the community district, if you scroll to the second page of the request for decision, uh, it is a district that is located sporadically throughout the town uh, provides a uh, enabling of a variety of public publicly oriented uses, including our schools, our 
hospital, uh, a number of the parks, and the emergency shelter is also one of those things. Uh, the current and existing women's shelter in the north end of town does have the community district as its district under our current land use bylaw, and we would propose to make that zoning consistent uh, at this new site as well. Uh, so the two options before council are to provide first reading to the bylaw, which will allow us to schedule a public hearing in June uh, for public uh, feedback and also to hear from the applicant or to defeat first reading of the bylaw, which would not allow it to go further at this time. And uh, administration does recommend that we proceed with first reading so that we can schedule a public hearing. I can take any questions. So um, I, I lost my I, I lost my train of thought here. So did you? Um, so what's your recommendation in terms of? Do we just uh, do it as a community? Uh, as a community development district, or just on that? Yeah, the recommendation is to go with the community de development district. Uh, that district is where emergency shelter is all currently listed and it means that we can consider it at this one site, but we're not having to deal with any other site in the downtown. Okay. I, I would like to acknowledge that there is a definitely a chance that we'll receive a very similar application that would qualify as an emergency shelter in the downtown um, in the near future. They're not associated applications, so we didn't want to try and do some sort of blanket amendment that would deal with both because that can definitely get the any issues associated with them muddled. Uh, so we're keeping them separate, uh, but we do expect that that is something that could happen in the near future. And in that case, I think we'd likely recommend that we deal with it the same way, unless council provide a different direction. Okay. Um, very good. And you just want first reading? At this time, yes, we have to have a public hearing and there is a required advertising both to the neighboring landowners, the public in general, and we do also need to refer this to Northern Sunrise County as it but does fall within the IDP area. Oh, okay. Uh, any questions in Ms. Modi? I think we have Johanna Downing. Uh, good evening. Good evening, Alicia. So you did mention security. You, you touched on security. So I'm guessing that's part of the bigger plan for the women's shelter. I, I looked, I didn't really see where that was at. Yeah, I don't think that the application as it stands right now deals specifically with the security that they would be thinking of providing on the site. Uh, definitely when we get to the development permit stage, if we get there, then that would be the moment where we would discuss what the more specifics of the security look like and require some specifics before we move forward. Okay, and I apologize for not really understanding this, but have we come to this position with other requests for emergency shelter in our downtown core and haven't moved ahead? To this point? Yes. Uh, we have not received any other complete land use bylaw amendment applications for an emergency shelter in the downtown. Thank you. Any other questions for Ms. Modi? Is, I see none. Very good. Uh, I will uh, take, take uh, are, you, are you making a motion, Deputy Mayor? Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll move that we go to first reading. Okay, all in favor? <clears throat> That's unanimous. And thank you very much, Ms. Modi. Thank you. I've. Um, I lost my train of thought there because uh, Ms. Uh, Ms. Bell came in and chastised me for uh, for fashion unbecoming of a mayor. But I, I want to 
I'm, I'm trying to model uh, the new uh, the new uh, wear for nighttime for COVID COVID nineteen so that people can see you six feet away. <laughs> okay. We will now go to unfinished business. Uh, there isn't because there is none. We will now then quickly jump to new business. And I see there is some there. Uh, request for decision regarding the termination and disposition of, of the joint capital fund. And I take it Mr. Town will be uh, leading the charge on this one. I will. And um glad to do so because this will be the final item we have to do for the Northern Sunrise County ICF work that's occurred since um, August of last year. Uh, so good evening, your worship and council before you as a report, <clears throat> excuse me, to approve the termination and distribution of the joint capital funds in the amount that we are uh, jointly holding with uh, Northern Sunrise County. So as you're aware, due to the work by the Intermunicipal Collaborative Framework Committees and discussions with Northern Sunrise County. Uh, the committees and then councils through their approvals have um, updated the cost sharing or funding from Northern Sunrise County. As part of that within the ICF model, the new ICF model, that eliminates the need for the existing joint capital fund because we are moving on to a, a different approach to um, work on capital funding and funding requirements and requests to our partners in the future. Um, so as such, the fund currently has a balance as of April 15th of $638,118.23. Of that amount, $50,000 is allocated to Northern Sunrise County project for Sagatawa lookout improvements, which gives a difference or a new balance of 588,118 and 23 cents, um, subject to interest earned and bank charges that would be identified when the account is closed. Um, so what would happen is each party would share um, half of that amount, which is approximately, depending on timing, about 296,000 to each party. So we're looking for uh, staff recommendation is that council recommends the termination of the, the agreement, the joint capital fund agreement and the redistribution of the funds that are in holding um, less than $50,000, which would go to Northern Sunrise County. Um, and then the balance to be equally um, distributed between the two parties. Okay. Any questions of Mr. Dow? Okay. Uh, uh, is yeah. Northern Sunrise doing the same thing or we don't know for sure? No, um, I coordinated with uh, CAO um, Miller on this. So we'll have, I believe theirs is on the agenda for their meeting tomorrow. If not, it'll be on in two weeks, but we did coordinate numbers and information. So it will be um, similar type information. And second, um, does that, does the money then go into reserve someplace or that's to be decided? Ultimately, that's a to be decided. What will happen is um, for our accounting purposes, we will recognize it as revenue. It'll show up on our variance reports as um, a, a favorable variance 
or unidentified amount and then council could decide throughout the year how they will utilize the monies if they want to put it into reserves if they want to use it for other purposes or whatnot it's it's um an additional revenue uh this year and you know we'll, we'll track and see what our needs are like through the year and if we want to reserve it or do something else with it that'll be a council's discretion okay uh, hearing no further questions i will take a motion to uh to accept the recommendation as written ms downing okay all in favor of the, the recommendation great excellent so that then will take us to a briefing note regarding the water treatment plant budget and this document was published on may the 11th which is today 2020 and uh, Mr. McQuaig, I'm assuming that you'll, you will lead the discussion on this. Yes, well, thank you, Your Worship and Council. Uh, so one of the things we have to discuss tonight, and uh, we are going to be continuing to work on, on this uh, and bringing some more information in the future for Council. But one of the things I wanted to uh, just uh, get out in front of and make you aware of uh, is the water treatment plant equipment budget uh, that we had originally set this project in 2017 and had to defer until 2019 uh, to get started. Uh, so the original scope of the project was uh, to include a number of items, including a, a jib crane uh, for the water treatment uh, plant uh, bay and uh, and also the chemical treatment skids that needed to be replaced. In the course of uh, starting this work this year, and one of the other things that uh, we discovered was our coagulant tanks uh, had uh, started leaking and we started having some, some issues uh, with those tanks and they are a key uh, part of our water treatment plant. Uh, Basically, uh, we take the, the raw water in, add the coagulant to it to, uh, to filter back out uh, any silt and debris that comes in with the river water as part of our water treatment process. Uh, so those uh, are critical to have maintained and especially uh, when we get into a spring breakup and heavy rainfall events uh, with the Peace River where our siltation and uh, uh, of the river water is increased at those points in time. So it's crucial that we have uh, those tanks uh, in place. So we originally began that part of the project included within the scope of the water treatment uh, plant equipment project. And uh, we uh, already had uh, an engineer working on that project, so it kind of made uh, including that scope uh, fairly easy. And then also we had a subcontractor lined up uh, for the uh, water treatment plant equipment uh, that we had already had ongoing. So to uh, also include that work uh, required minimal effort uh, just to expand the scope of the project uh, set. Once we get started getting into the tank uh, refurbishment uh, this spring, uh, we just discovered the uh, tanks uh, not only were leaking, but also uh, needed some structural repairs to them. 
in order to uh, be fairly timely with those repairs and, and get that done, uh, proceeded with that work. Uh, at that point, you know, we had uh, enough uh, money in our uh, equipment uh, project to complete the repairs, although we still need to address the, the chemical skid portion of the project later on. So as you can see, the project expenditure to date is uh, it's around 199,454. Originally, we had 188,500 allocated for the project. <coughs> so we're slightly over uh, that budget by uh, within our 10% uh, allowable. Uh, we're a little over on that one as it is. But uh, one of the things that we still have to do is our chemical treatment skid uh, equipment uh, that still needs to be completed. And then in the second line item there, you can see that uh, just what we're projecting uh, that equipment budget to be is 199425 uh, uh, Then with uh, a 10% project contingency brings up to 219367000 So overall, the project budget right now, the original budget, as I mentioned, was 188500 uh, and the revised budget that we're projecting is 418821 which shows us as a, a shortfall of 230321 uh, Fortunately, we can't prolong the uh, skid uh, replacement to another budget year. Uh, they've reached their capacity and uh, then and they need to be replaced this year. So, uh, I've been having discussions with the Director of Corporate Services, uh, Mr. Town, on this and, and uh, finding ways that uh, we can address uh, that uh, project variance right now. And uh, we'll be bringing something back a little later uh, back to Council this summer to identify the funding source for the revised amount, along with the corresponding request for decision, with the hope that the funding can be achieved through savings in the 2020 capital program. Uh, which we expect based on some early projections. Uh, and open it up to questions. I will uh, start with the questions. So do we have a reason for the failure of the uh, original coagulant tanks and how old were they? Uh, so the previous tanks, I believe, were last replaced in 2009. So they're, uh, I think, there was a premature uh, failure based on life cycle. Uh, so with uh, some cracking and just some uh, leaking of uh, the coagulant uh, through that tank in the tank wall. Uh, but there were no other obvious signs of failure that we could definitively point to at this point in time. So uh is so was it the wrong material for the application in 2009 uh so maybe made out of fiberglass or uh no it would be a, a poly a polyurethane applicant or not a polyurethane but a poly uh application to the tank wall uh so uh it's a form of polyethylene don't have the exact formulation for that tank wall uh, that was in our previous, but, but so, uh, early so indications it wasn't thick enough. 
Oh, so we're going to get the same material, the same material tank, but just thicker, thicker material. Is that? No, we we went to a different process this time. Uh, we actually had a, kind of a spray coating application this at this point in time. So it's another polyethylene product, but the spray on coating and uh, a lot thicker uh, material and. Uh, the application and the material and the process was reviewed by Associated Engineering uh, to just uh, make sure that, you know, we've got uh, an extended life cycle. So we'll probably look at a life cycle of 20 years on this application. Okay, so, so you, you're not uh, purchasing a new tank. You're going to add a spray coating to it and just ensure that it's thicker. Yeah, we, 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 we took the, the previous uh, liner out and okay. disposed that because we had to take the liner out to uh, do the structural repairs to the tank walls. Uh, so, uh, so we did that and then uh, repaired the tank walls and then put the new applique in. Right, and the, the reason you didn't replace it with the new tank is it would, be, it would have been prohibitively expensive. That's correct. Cheapest option. Okay. That's correct. Okay. Any other questions? Tim, were you able to uh, do the work, or did you have to uh, get a contractor to do this work? Uh, the tank work is actually. Uh, uh, I'm not sure why it was uh, going off like that, but the the tank wall is fairly uh, fairly specialized application. So it, uh, we retained a firm out of Saskatchewan uh, to come in and do that application. But uh, the overall project was uh, supervised by AGS. Right. Thanks. Uh, Mr. Good. I, I believe there were two ahead of me. Uh, well, we'll okay. go with you. Okay, well, um, okay. The, the question I have, and maybe it's because I just don't understand what goes on. There were there must have been inspections done when you were going in to do the come up with the original 188,000. There must have been examinations of the water treatment plant. So my question is, was the were the coagulant tanks examined at that time, or <coughs> was that part of the original? Um, well, that's that's the question. Were they examined at that time as part of the up as part of potential upgrades or potential maintenance that would be needed for the water treatment plant? No, they weren't. Is there a reason that they wouldn't be part of a normal? If you're looking at upgrading a plant, would that not be part of a um, an examination, or is it just something that doesn't show up? Uh, no, it based you know on what we expected probably in 2016, 2017 when we set up this project. Uh, we were still expecting probably another 10 years out of those tanks. So it uh, wasn't part of the program to be to re be reviewed or inspected. Ms. Manzer, um, how old is the water plant? So the the water plant overall is uh, uh, circa I think 2010 was when uh, that uh, water plant went into operation. Okay, and. Um, Besides the tank and the, the girder system, whatever it was, um, do we kind of have a, a list of what we expect to fail in 10 years, five years, 20 years in the, in the 
plant? Uh, generally, we do have a life cycle uh, expectancy for several items within the plant up, upcoming. And I'll be working on that with the, the water treatment plant manager to kind of, you know, as we go uh, into our five and 10 year capital plans to make sure those items are captured. Great, thank you. Um, is there anyone else that had some questions? Okay, if not, uh, so what you're looking for is? So right now it's just for information, Your Worship, and we'll, uh, myself and Mr. Town will be bringing back an RFD in the near future to address the project variance. Okay. Does anyone want to put forward a motion to accept this as information? I would put forward a motion that we accept the water treatment report as information. All in favor? Passed. Um, The next item on the agenda is the solid waste management tender. And I'm assuming that you're going to stay on the hot seat, Mr. McQuaid. Yes, I will, Your Worship. So continuing on with the solid waste management tender. So uh, the current contract uh, expires on the 31st of May uh, of this year. And so we needed to have a decision on the award of the services contract for the next five years that would expire in uh, 2024. <clears throat> so some of the background on this, so as you know, uh, GFL or a current contractor providing uh, service to the town of Peace River to uh, do solid waste uh, pickup and also recycling uh, pickup and collection. Uh, and then they also provide but uh, some uh, support for our uh, fall and spring cleanups. So uh, in March of 2020, we issued an RFP uh, to look forward over the next five years to, uh, to manage that contract. It closed on the 20th of April of 2020, and uh, we had three submissions, uh, one from uh, GFL, uh, Green for Life, one from Prairie Disposal Limited, and one from Ellen Brothers Trucking. So uh, we had a scoring process in place and uh, reviewed all three proposals against that. Uh, it basically, it quickly came to light that only two proposals uh, merited uh, further evaluation as uh, the evaluation from Ellen Brothers uh, based on three key uh, elements of the scoring criteria. And so uh, we couldn't further evaluate that one. So basically the evaluation then became between Green for Life, uh, which is GFL and Prairie Disposal Limited. So the items that we evaluated uh, the proposals on were people and equipment products and service deliverables, service level comprehension, experience, schedule, innovation, and financial and pricing. So in terms of pricing, there are numerous factors to consider on reaching an equalized bid evaluation. So there again, what we're trying to do is, uh, even though the proposals aren't uh, you know, exactly alike, what we try to do at the end of the day is make sure that we're trying to compare apples to apples as best we can. 
with the, the proposals that are submitted. So uh, on there, what you can see is GFL's bid for automated waste pickup and manual recycling. And so basically that was the only bid that they submitted. That was the only option that they submitted. So they didn't submit a manual collection or uh, an automated pickup for recycling. Uh, so their uh, bid came up to an overall automated price for their bid. Uh, so annually that be $284,469 uh, for their budget uh, per year. And their, their budget also is incremented over five years. So their pricing would uh, increase every year. Uh, and that uh, we'll see further on uh, as we get through there. Uh, Prairie's disposal, our Prairie disposal had uh, much more uh, expansive lists of options to choose from. Uh, so there again, uh, basically the, the ones that we evaluated was an overall manual collection where, you know, that was 338,042. Uh, uh, their overall auto and man auto collection for waste and manual collection recycling is 363,194. And then complete automated pickup for both uh, solid waste and for recycling was 388,346. So the other thing uh, say that Prairie Disposal's bid did include for fall and spring cleanup. Uh, their price also included a Christmas uh, tree pickup and no extra charge. So then again, uh, when looking at the equalized bids, the automated waste collection manual recycling option was considered. So basically that is the same service as we are receiving today. So, uh, which is uh, probably a good basis to do our equalized bid assessment on. So there uh, you can see that uh, going head to head, once we look over five years, which would now include the increases that uh, GFL had per year uh, against Prairie Disposal, who kept uh, a constant price all throughout. Uh, you can see that uh, on a monthly basis, uh, GFL's price was $59.52 and Prairie Waste Disposal was $72.20. So there again, uh, for if we're looking over a period of uh, five years now for the annual is uh, about 1.354 million uh, for the GFL option and 1.634 million for the, uh, uh, that last column is wrong and that should uh, state prairie waste uh, disp or prairie disposal total for 2096 residents. So this uh, last column should read that. So my apologies for that. I error. apologize. Uh, so the above rates don't include GST. Uh, contract administration by towns. Uh, the, the above does inc not include as the contract administration by the town staff and other solid waste management costs not included in the proposed contract. So uh, when we're looking at that $17 uh, Per month uh, for the current charge residents, uh, it would include both this and these other items below here. 
So administration right now is fairly confident after review of this that uh, the resident fee could remain at the $17 with either option until 2021, at which time our annual cost for solid waste management would be reviewed. So looking at the final of, uh, financial implications, uh, the current contract rate for uh, GFL uh, per dwelling is uh, $10.20. So we are seeing a slight increase in their rate per month uh, per resident. <clears throat> so as mentioned, uh, the current $17 does include the curbside collection and manual recycling. Uh, the tipping fees that we have to pay to the regional landfill, uh, centralized spring and fall cleanup at the eco center, contract administration, and others, uh, solid waste management costs. And there again, uh, I think I brought to er you earlier in January, just a, a comparison of where we fall uh, to other municipalities of a similar size, uh, just to show you where we fall in that region. So. By far, we're, we're not the cheapest, but we're uh, by far not the most expensive uh, option as well. So the options before you are to award the contract to Prairie Disposal for the five-year term to expire in 2025. And the advantages of that are uh, we would have uh, the spring and fall cleanup included in that, and we also uh, provide a Christmas tree pickup uh, for that. So the disadvantage obviously is the higher price. Uh, option two is to award the contract to GFL for five years. Uh, and actually that should be to expire in 2024. Sorry, that should have reflected that 2024. Uh, the advantage there is obviously a lower price uh, and then the other advantage is GFL is currently doing our solid waste collection. So that contract could uh, continue on uh, with no changes other than the, the, the rate that uh, we're being charged. Uh, disadvantage it commits us to a uh, five-year contract with GFL and the Christmas tree pickup would not be included, uh, but could be discussed with GFLs as a, a service enhancement uh, going forward. Uh, our recommendation is even though that uh, Prairie Disposal had the better scoring proposal overall, just due to the, the variance in price, uh, you know, it wouldn't account for the difference in service that we would be receiving from Prairie Disposal over uh, the, the service that we're receiving from GFL. So in that regard, administration's recommendation would be to uh, re-award the, the contract to GFL. And I'll take any questions. Well, I'm actually a bit confused here. So uh, you, on one hand, you said uh, you want to, the recommendation was for prairie waste disposal, but uh, this in the last uh, couple of minutes, you said and your recommendation as written here is award the service contract to GFL for a term of five years starting in 2020 in the amount of $1.3 million expiring in 2025. Yeah, and that should be 2024, your worship. Okay, so, so that 
Yeah, because uh, what I heard earlier, you said prairie waste disposal, even though they were more, they had a higher cost. And I was going, well, that's a big difference, the cost. Why would you recommend prairie waste disposal? So I, I do, so I just want to confirm because you, and and the uh, and there is and there is that error in the uh, in the briefing note. But the, the recommendation that you that you have for this council is award the service contract to GFL for a term of five years, starting in 2020, in the amount of 1.354812.48 million, expiring in 2024 for the automated option for waste control and manual recycling collection with an option to include spring and fall curbside uh, collection. Is that correct? That's correct, Your Worship. Okay. And okay. Just, just to be clear, the, the reason I'm kind of overruling my scoring is just due to the variance in the pricing. Okay. Uh, the variance does not explain or is not equating to the increased uh, service delivery that prairie disposal will be providing. Okay, glad you made that clear, Mr. Ford. So in the in the briefing you had just mentioned there uh, that it would expire in 2024, but if it's a five-year term, that would be 2025. If we're starting in 2020, is, is that not correct? Or do. No, you're correct. 2025. No, it is correct. No, it's, no, it's 2024. Yeah. So this yeah. is 2020. Yes. So, it's so so you're at a zero. So 2021 yeah. will be one. And then 22 will be two. And then it'll be three. And then it'll be 23 to 24 will be four. And yeah, so, so it is 2025. That's correct. Yes. Hey, Jim, I, I wonder, uh, just some clarification, uh, like the Christmas tree option is not a big deal for me. Uh, the eco center typically uh, is open for Christmas trees for people. So uh, yes, you have to have a pickup tree, pickup truck to get your tree up there, but I presume you had a pickup tree when you bought your Christmas tree. So that's really not a deal breaker for me. Uh, I like the GFL, what's, what's proposed, but uh, just clarify the ownership of the bins. Um, I didn't notice anything. I didn't see any of the vendors talk about the ownership of the bins. So, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I did talk to both vendors of, of that. Uh, GFL their bins would remain in place, uh, and then the bins for uh, prairie disposal were uh, that was covered within their fees. Uh, so they would provide uh, new bins for that and then with the option to, to kind of purchase those bins at the end of 2025. So, uh, so again, we'll likely carry on with GFL and then as far as the bins are concerned, uh, they'll remain uh, GFL bins and we'll just maintain them. So that, that doesn't right. change. If there's damage to the bin, we, we repair it or GFL will repair it. So and that's, that's included in the GFL price. So the, that's the good. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah, thanks for that clarification. Uh, Mr. Good. Just, um, Jim, if you could 
just explain the 1444 bid from Prairie Waste Disposal. Was that a number that resulted after you removed the Christmas tree and after you removed the other things? No, that was, uh, that included the Christmas tree cost. Uh, okay. And then what I did was I, I kind of, uh, but I don't think, believe it kind of uh, increased GFL's price if we include the Christmas tree being, you know, one pickup per year or so. Well, no, but my, my question is the $173 compared to 139, is that a, is that a result of the a multiplication or a factor on the 1444? Okay, so uh, just a note on the 2020. So the, the difference there is we've only got six months of collection allocated for 2020. And the, so the 173.28 is for right. a four year collection. But uh, yeah, that, that 173.28 would include the Christmas tree option or the Christmas tree pickup over GFL who do not provide that for the $139.20. But everything else would be equal. Okay. So Math not being my strong suit, um, it's I, you kind of, as you said, we're not comparing apples. We're trying to make it as we're comparing apples to oranges. But when I look at 1444, it's more than 1160, but it also includes more stuff. Yes, it does. Uh, what are the, there again, is there anything other than the Christmas tree thing that, no, that I, 1444 I think, includes? Yeah, no, I think we've. Uh, as you can see, when we looked at the options above, when I tr uh, determined that uh, 1444 basically uh, above kind of included those things. So, uh, well, except a yeah. So if you're looking at the 1444 above, so what that includes is the automated pickup, the manual blue bag pickup. Uh, fall and spring cleanup is included. So, uh, and then the tipping fees there are not included. So that's added back in, as opposed to uh, when you look back at the GFL uh, proposal. So there they've got $7.65 for the automated pickup. The manual food bag is $1.91. Spring cleanup, which uh, they uh, price out separately is 75 cents per resident and the tipping fees. So the only thing that's not included in there, uh, that would be uh, a service uh, increase would be the Christmas tree pickup. Everything else is accounted for. Okay. And really that the Christmas tree pickup is, is a bit of a red herring in the sense that uh, we, we haven't had Christmas tree pickup for the last uh, five plus years. And that's because that's supplied by the eco center, and uh, and they have a bin ready. Uh, you do have to take it to the eco center, but um, but that helps us defray the costs of of uh, putting that price on residents. Yeah. So, and I don't think you know the residents wanted to pay an extra two hundred seventy nine thousand just for the Christmas tree pickup. So. If you're looking for a motion, Your Worship, I would 
propose a, a motion to accept the uh, recommendation as written. Okay, well, it's a, let, let's make the motion award the service contract to GFL for a term of five years starting, uh, I, I'm assuming this is starting on May 31st, 2020 uh, in the amount of 1.3548112 dollars and 48 cents expiring on May the 31st, 2025. Or the current contract goes to the 31st of May, so we could have it start the 1st of June. And, and expire on May 31st? Yes. So Mr. Needham, would you, uh, if we, if your amendment, um, just to make your amendment, I mean your uh, motion sharper, can we include uh, starting on June the 1st, 2020 and expiring on May the 31st, 2025? Certainly. Uh, Ms. Mazur? With respect to um, like the recommendation, it says with an option to include spring and fall curbside collection. Um, that's still up for debate then? Uh, that is something we'll kind of negotiate uh, with uh, GFL. The, their proposal as worded right now would include spring and fall curbside collection of selected items. Which would be different than what we've usually had, so. Yeah, it would be uh, an enhancement to the service that we have right now. Uh, basically, but it would uh, take a lot of the onus off of the eco center to kind of manage the larger items. Uh, those items would be picked up, uh, the larger items would be picked up curbside and taken directly to the landfill. Okay. So Mr. Needham's motion stands. It is the recommendation as presented with a, uh, an insertion of starting in June June the 1st, 2020 and expiring on May 31st, 2025. So all in favor of Mr. Needham's motion. Okay, it's passed unanimously. Thank you. Um, the, the next item was a briefing note regarding the, uh, this is the emergency communication center or what? Coordination what? center, sir. The what kind of center? Coordination, emergency coordination center. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Your Worship and Council. Uh, before you, you have our um, uh, report. We've been giving reports every two to three weeks. Uh, this is our fourth report. Uh, we're presenting for the period of April 27th to May 11th. Um, we're now in the process, the ECC team is in the process of uh, with the province uh, reopening. Um, as you're aware, in basically May 14th, uh, some locations can open up. Um, what's happening is we will not be opening up on the 14th uh, until we get all our plans in place and all the PPEs in place. Um, we have been coordinating with the province to get the PPEs, the proper PPEs. Um, they have uh, had some procurement distribution issues and so we have to go to different locations to get the other elements of PPEs that uh, the province is not able to provide. Um, 
also ensuring that we have all the written documentation to ensure that our um, employees and any uh, citizens that come into the locations are safe. Um, we're just reviewing those. So those are the big issues that we're working on right now. And uh, we've uh, ensured that uh, we're reviewing every work location. When we do uh, absolutely open up, we'll be starting off with Town Hall and a couple of other locations. Um, museum process probably in about a month's time. They're working on some issues. Uh, so and when I say issues there, uh, they've got some uh, work that they have to do. Uh, Town Hall, we're, we're looking at probably will be the first one. Um, and eventually it'll end up that once we follow the uh, provincial program, uh, it will maybe be rec centers. Uh, but again, it could take quite a while for this to occur. So uh, with that, if you would like to uh, go down to the provincial picture um, on April uh, 6th, when we did our last report, um, basic, or uh, sorry, April. Oh, sorry, yeah. So um, those are our basic last reports, uh, April 6th to April 26th. Um, administration has been also dealing with an issue and that's specifically having to deal with um, our areas of doing a public uh, hearing. Um, so as you are aware, the public is allowed to come to uh, the public hearing and uh, deal with that uh, concerns uh, in present uh, form. So uh, because of this COVID, we've uh, realized that uh, we will allow some individuals to come into the council chambers. It'll be limited. They will have to pre-register and um, we're doing approximately six uh, individuals will be able to come on site. We're also going to be doing uh, virtual meetings from Zoom and we're also going to be allowing um, people to put in um, written documentation prior and also during the meeting itself. Uh, we will have to do a, about a 45 second delay because it takes approximately 30 seconds for uh, us to get the information if they decide to write in some uh, quick questions on that as the process. So we are doing uh, that uh, kind of elements. As the Director of Emergency Management, I've been uh, extensively busy with attending the teleconferences that the Alberta Emergency Management uh, deals with. Um, uh, they're now uh, decreasing in the amount. It's uh, once a week. It uh, used to be twice a week. They used to have the uh, premiers uh, quite a bit twice a week. And um, also they, they had uh, 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 the Minister of Municipal Affairs had one um, every week, and so they're slowly uh, uh, going down. Uh, we've been dealing with uh, the issue of the child care reopening, so there were some issues and concerns there. Um, we've been given the green light to, to open there in the process of just putting together their uh, final package to open up. And uh, that's basically it on that aspect. Um, I have uh, nothing else to report from my side. Uh, if there's any questions, I'd be more than happy to entertain them at this time. Questions of Mr. Parker? Mr. Parker, I, uh, I think we can, uh, we can make the, uh, the council chambers uh, open. Um, just put the seats uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't like the fact that we uh, 
we've uh, said on our website, I noticed it today that um, no one's, I guess we, uh, if we don't actively, if we don't prohibit it, we actively discourage them from coming here. Um, there's no issue here. We're more than six feet apart, um, particularly when the counselors aren't here and we can have the chairs six feet apart. I think uh, we should always uh, leave the council chambers open. There's no, there's no reason not to leave them open. Oh, for the uh, hearing there, sir? Even for the hearing, sir. Yeah, yeah, for the hearings, uh, we, we have said that, that we'd allow them to come. No, I, I mean also for regular council meetings. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Uh, the only requirement is people stay six feet apart. Um, I don't even think there's a requirement to wear a mask, so. Um, okay, any questions of Mr. Yeah, Ms. Mazur? Um, with respect to, um, well, two things. You said the province was not able to provide some PE, PPE items to the town, um, such as? That is correct. So there's been, um, 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 they have a list of items that we've, uh, that they, they wanted municipalities to actually submit. So um, we went through the list, we went through all the job uh, areas. Um, so for example, um, our fire department does provide um, medical first response in, in some cases. So one of the uh, uh, items that they need to wear is gowns. Um, we've never had gowns for our PP, uh, for as PPEs for our fire department. So um, we were told to put in a list. We put in our list of gowns. We waited the appropriate period of time. Um, we were kept being told that um, they, they had some difficulties. And then eventually what it is, is they just ran out of gowns. They won't give us gowns. They don't have gowns. So we can't do medical first response calls uh, so because they've set up the lineup of what you're supposed to be wearing. So um, until we get those, um, our fire department can't do those. So this would be for fire department guys that aren't in their full fire equipment stuff? So even, so, so this is when they're responding just for medical first response calls, not for fires, different, different situation. Okay, and so the town has to go and source these things themselves? Yeah, so what, what it is, uh, they've given us the bits and pieces, the um, uh, website that they have and uh, their list. So we're right now going through that list. Um, there's like 3,300, I believe, right at the last time I took a look, um, of items that in places that some people might be able to provide. Um, so we're just looking through so that list right now, um, trying to get those particular items. But there's others like uh, the N95 masks, uh, some of our departments in some of the areas. Not, we don't need hundreds and thousands of them. We just need a, a small amount of them. Um, those masks are basically almost impossible to get rid at this particular moment. Um, I believe the only thing we received was the surgical mask. And I don't even know if we received the gloves. Maybe we had small, a uh, couple of packages of gloves. Uh, so we are becoming like the Ontario situation, as I understand it, where municipalities or hospitals source their own, however they can do it. Is that correct, kind of? That's basically it. So, so, have, have, we, have we turned down requests for lift and assist so 
somebody on the top floor of Heritage Towers. Uh, could we refuse that work because of the lack of equipment? We have to ensure that before anyone provides any services that they're properly uh, um, equipped. So the ambulance people themselves would have to deal with that as best they could. Yeah, they, hmm. their first priority. Okay, and with respect to the equipment, my second question, um, I see some people wearing masks around town, but they're also totally on their own as to where they would get their masks or hopefully somebody can make them or whatever. Is that correct? That's correct. We're actually even looking at purchasing um, for our frontline staff some uh, homemade type masks and in conjunction with the surgical mask. Not everyone needs the uh, N95 mask. Um, and so first of all, what, what it is, you do the social distancing. That's one of the first major areas that you have to deal with. Then the, the second thing is ensuring that the areas are properly cleaned. You're also looking at ensuring that uh, you're, you're consistently hand washing. And then the last, uh, the, the next one is the barriers. So if you've walked into some places, the grocery stores, they have the barriers. And then the last thing is the PPE. So there have been the, uh, reviews and, and statements stating that uh, we might not need as much PPEs for the main office, but we're making sure that we're, um, uh, everything is covered. I'll wait the, for further questions. Yeah. Uh, so, and there's the N95, but there's also the P95 mask. Yeah. Um, so is that applicable? Uh, can that, uh, well, those are quite a, quite a bit easier to get. And are they, uh, and is there an applicability to our organization for those? And uh, Jim McQuig, um, Mr. McQuig might be able to, um, I'm not familiar with those type and what areas they go to. Yeah, so basically the difference between the P100s and the N95 is basically the micron size of uh, particulates that are uh, passed through uh, those type of masks, where the, the P100s are uh, a higher level of uh, protection over the N95 masks. But there's a, P, uh, there's a P95. Yeah, so, and then it, it comes down to uh, just uh, what that protects against, whether it's aerosols or dusts. So there again, the, the P100 would be a, uh, a higher uh, protection over the N95 mass, although uh, right. see, from what I'm given to understand is more uh, it's more particulate than aerosols. Right, but my question wasn't on the P100. My question was uh, because Mr. Your, the CAO uh, mentioned that uh, we would not, we would probably have a hard time accessing the N95 masks. And uh, based on that, he, he wants to open up slower than um, slower than what the government the provincial government wants us to open up but I'm asking can we access the p95 mask and 
substitute that for the N95 mask. Yeah. Uh, the sorry, uh, your worship, uh, for opening up like the town hall, they wouldn't be using the N95 or the P, uh, the other type of mask. They'd be using the surgical mask. Okay. Um, and right now we only have uh, 50 of those for the town hall right at this particular moment. And so uh, the surgical mask, they get wet about once every, well, really technically about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Uh, you're supposed to change, but we were looking at uh, four a day per person. Um, and only if uh, you need uh, to have other individuals, uh, more than one employee working in a, a closer confined area uh, behind the uh, barrier. And uh, so you seem to have suggested that you're looking at homemade masks. Could we, uh, could we have four homemade masks made for... Uh, for uh, staff in the front office and uh, I'll issue them for and uh, they're responsible for uh, for washing and uh, maintaining those four. We were actually looking at eight for a two day supply so that you can wash that. It's just um, issues that we're discussing right at the ECC right at the moment there, your worship. Hey, any questions of Mr. Parker? Hearing none. Um, uh, yes. Councilor Goodhead, one. Okay. Um, one comment: the recommend uh, it does recommend on the um, Alberta COVID website that in uh, stage one, starting on May 14th, that remote working be advised where possible. So, I'm just pointing that out. Yeah, so, so what's going to happen here is we're not going to be bringing in everybody into this office. So we, we have, uh, you know, close to 18 people that work in the town hall. We're not having 18 people. We're going to have as much speaking for council as I am for oh, the office. Oh, I see what you say, sir. Sorry. As a recommendation is that we work at home where possible. Yeah, you've always got the option to zoom in. Okay. Um, any other uh, last call for questions? Oh, Joanna Downing has decided to take me up on last call. I did, I did decide at the last moment. Chris, will we um, receive sort of, uh, you know, a list of what that looks like a little bit clearer over the next few days? I realize that it's coming quickly and there's been lots on the table, but just so we have a good understanding. Let me be clear, we're not opening up the town office on the 14th. So that's the first thing. We will not be opened up then. Um, so uh, what will happen here is uh, uh, when we do get to the point that our first and um, utmost goal is to ensure that our employees are safe. And so when we feel that we're comfortable of opening it up, then we'll be releasing a plan, um, not only to uh, uh, council, but to, to the public at that time. Um, that's that's the first and foremost thing. Don't forget, collecting taxes where is is our number one job. <laughs> it's an essential service. <laughs> Don't worry, sir. I'll get our. We'll get your money. Good. Okay. Um, I guess we'll just uh, a motion to accept for information. Or were you looking for something else? No, no, no. Okay. Information. 
Uh, Mr. Skemhorn has moved that. All in favor? And the museum has, has managed to get on the agenda here, even though they're closed for business. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still busy doing lots of work. Uh, your worship and council, this particular report is a request for an unbudgeted expenditure. This is an idea that came out uh, slightly after the budget process. So we thought we would address this outside of um, that process. We were a little too late for it. It is a part of the overall reorganization of the physical space at the museum, which we've previously touched on in regards to reusing of the Athabasca Hall. Um, the space that we're requiring some compact shelving for, it's a mobile compact shelving unit, is a um, currently sort of storage slash office space for our heritage coordinator. He will be relocated somewhere. They haven't quite decided where they will tuck him into a corner of such. Um, but we would like to purchase uh, a set of shelving units that are highly efficient for the space. It also allows us to um, hang garments appropriately as they're supposed to be hung safely uh, to the Alberta Museums Association standards for storage. Um, and the good news is this has a zero impact on the tax base as this is funds that have been donated and fundraised that we've been putting away into reserve. And most recently in 2019, we received a um, bequeath from an individual as part of their will of a donation of over $88,000. So that's, um, I, it's very rare that this happens, but it's pretty great when it does. So we would like to use some of those reserve funds that have been predominantly built through a donation system to purchase this shelving unit. So within the report, I give you a quick overview of how the process looks like and what the shelving unit potentially would look like. We'd have to get, um, um, specific quotes, but we are looking at a system that's approximately twenty-two dollars to $24,000 in cost. If well, anyone has any questions. Well, I, I would think that if, this, so these, the $88,000 was bequeathed to the museum, right? That's correct, yeah. So really it's for the museum to decide how that money is spent, isn't it? The museum is the town of Peace River. We're one in the same. So it's council's funds ultimately to decide, though I like where you're going with it. Well, <laughs> but the individual wanted it to be used for museum activities. Oh, that's correct. And those funds have specifically been put into the museum reserve. And that reserve is specifically um, to be utilized for museum purposes. Yeah. So here's an example of the use. Yeah. Um, I'd just like to say that that kind of shelving system is very efficient in terms of space and whatnot. Um, the floor there is all cement, right? That's correct. Yeah, it's all concrete. So it's heaviness isn't a concern. No. Yeah, it would work. Okay. Mr. Ford. Just with the amount of the expenditure, Tanya, would uh, 
being that you said you still have to go out for quotes, would we not go out and get those quotes first, just in case that uh, those cabinets might be a little bit less money or never know, maybe they're more money. We have received some quotes already, but we'll source out, we're to usually get three quotes and we've sourced two of them. So, and both are pretty much the exact same amounts. Okay. Somebody want to make a motion? Ms. Mazur? I'll move that that council approve the expenditure of up to $25,000 for the purchase of compact storage to be funded through the museum reserve for the museum's purposes. Okay. All in favor? Unanimous. Thank you. Um, I'll just disappear into the dark. Yeah. Well, if you have a safety vest on, you won't disappear. Um, that takes us then to into the section of reports. There's a February 18, 2020, minutes of the Peace Regional Aboriginal Agency Committee. Uh, Ms. Manza, you sit on that committee, I believe, and as does Ms. Downey. Do either of you want to score, underscore anything in those minutes? Um, just that um, since that meeting, the March meeting was canceled, the April meeting was held by um, Cisco web meetings or something or other. And um, at the last meeting, the, uh, po the powwow was officially postponed depending on how things go over the summer and all sorts of COVID things, so. That was just official notice. The um, graduation part of the powwow also postponed, although they're trying to work out something. Um, they do have the eagle feathers uh, for the ceremony. Um, they have been obtained, put it that way. Okay. So um, do they think the powwow will be held this year? High Prairies was, I believe, canceled. And unless uh, something changes with respect to COVID uh, rules and distancing, I don't know how it could be held. They were talking about perhaps doing some of the competitions through um, something like Zoom technology, but it was really all up in the air. So I would say the chances are low that the post the powwow will actually happen this year. Councillor Downing, you want to add anything to that? Okay, uh, we will then uh, go to the May 5th, 2020 draft minutes of the Peace Regional Healthcare Attraction and Retention Committee. Um, and I believe both Councillor Downing and Deputy Mayor Manzer sit on that committee as well. Is there anything they wish to uh, note from those minutes? Um, uh, one thing under new business, the report on how many physicians we have in town. Um, just of note, there are 16 physicians right now. And um, this includes the uh, radiologist and the psychiatrist. So we, we sometimes forget that those two are included in our physician count. There are a couple that are coming, going on mat leave, coming off mat leave, and one doctor is leaving the, um, is it the Aspen Clinic? at um, the end of July, we understand. So we, you're saying we have an oversupply of doctors? 
there's never an oversupply because uh, people still can't get on doctor's lists. Okay. So uh, the other thing from that meeting, the other municipalities were interested in the letter that we were sending with respect to um, AMA. So um, that has, I think, been shared with them and up to those municipalities if they uh, also wish to send their own letters or take it for information, that sort of thing. Great. Hey, uh, Ms. Manther, what, uh, how many doctors like should we have? I don't, I for sure don't want to say, I think we have supposedly as many as we're supposed to. If they were all full-time on duty, all the time. So 61, 16 FTEs, but then you say that, that Your the, mic number is, the number of, including those other uh, delineations of the profession don't kind of count in. Yeah, so about 14. Don't quote me for sure positively on that, but I think that's about the number, 14. Okay. Good. Yeah, that's my understanding. 14 is the is a target. Okay, a motion to accept the reports uh, as as uh, as discussed, I guess. Uh, Mr. Ford, let you get on the on the on the uh, on the paper. All in favor of Mr. Ford's motion to accept those reports? Passed. Um, there's an information letter from Canadian National regarding vegetation control program. And um, is, is Ms. Bell gonna speak to this one? Uh, this is her favorite subject, vegetation. I guess not. She's left the building. <laughs> I've got a question on it. Okay. Um, I. Uh, notice that the um, crossing over by the hospital has uh, thistles, etc., by it. So, does the town report that and say, CN, please do something or not? And does CN charge the town back for cleaning up this? I'm not sure what the answer is on that one, but I'll get back to you on that one. Uh, and have any other questions on the letter or anything people want to highlight? Okay. Uh, a motion to accept the letter from Canadian National regarding their vegeta the vegetation control program for information. Who wants to make that motion? Mr. Good, all in favor. Uh, any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Okay. Uh, and I'll ask Ms. Yoom uh, if there's anybody watching us on YouTube. We've had about three concurrent viewers on and off. And I assume they're media? Uh, probably, yeah. Um, Record Gazette's inquiring about setting up some interviews. I'm not sure with whom yet. I'm just waiting to hear back from them. Okay. Um, and they're the only ones I've heard from so far. Okay. Autumn, where are we at with the AECOM uh, 
communicate. I, I thought from my last council meeting, we agreed that uh, I'm not sure if you were writing it or they were writing it or uh, seeing that we're on the topic of communication. Where or did it, I misunderstand that conversation? Oh, that piece was uh, for their communications. They were looking for a quote from the mayor regarding community impact of the bridge project. So they're going to do uh, a newspaper style story that they would post on their website, sharing their materials about the work that they're doing. And they were looking for a quote from Tom. All right, well, just on the topic of communication, I uh, appreciate that clarification. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, is there, uh, what, what, are, uh, what, if any, key communication items uh, do you see coming out of this particular meeting? Uh, uh, the big one going into the next meeting is going to be the public hearing on the land use bylaw amendment. Obviously, we're all learning how to do things a little more digitally. So this will be our first time doing a public hearing under the COVID changes. So okay. just getting that stuff together. And do you, that's the only that's the only reason why we needed to have this meeting today. Is that what you're saying, Ms. Yoon? No, I think the solid waste management part was very good, but um, not a lot of changes there. Okay. Okay. And uh, there, I understand there are no in camera items, Mr. Parker. There are none. Um, I do have, a, I don't know if you allow me, Mr. Mayor, um, there are just uh, two uh, housekeeping items I'd like to just talk about, just minor, minor ones. Okay. Um, one is that I did receive an email late today um, from AUMA, and it is to do a survey. Uh, and they asked me to do the survey on behalf of council. Okay. So I, yeah, I thought, oh, this will be fun. So then I thought I better not actually do it. Um, but I don't have the questions. So I log into it and then I have to go through it. So I've asked for the questions. Once I get them, I'm going to just send them out to you and then I'll just try and do consensus. Um, so, because they don't, they don't want council to fill it out. They want the CAO to fill it out on behalf of council. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that's, okay. yeah. And, and then the other one is, is I'd like to do a little workshop about four hours sometime uh, within the next two weeks. And I'm just wondering if council could just send me some uh, time frames. And it's just, uh, just for uh, some strategic planning for the next uh, couple of years, just some ideas. Okay. That's so it's a, a Zoom strategic plan, or are we going to go to the council chambers and do the hockey stick distance thing? What, what we, would you we will, we'll probably give you a choice, Mr. Neal. Okay. All right. And that's, that's all I have, Your Worship. Okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, let's see who can, who's got the quickest draw. Who wants to uh, make a motion to adjourn? Uh, Ms. Downey, fastest, fastest gun in future. Why, why is there that music? Is that you? <laughs> okay, that must be Mr. Scammerhorn. All in favor? Oh, it's even unanimous. Okay, excellent. Goodbye. We're